This is the podcast Science and Scriptures, Season 1, Episode 30, or Religion, Science, and Science Fiction. Hello again. This is Scott Fraser of the podcast Science and Scriptures. In the last episode, we discussed a recent sign of the last days, that is, the separation of groups that are supposed to be working together. Republicans and Democrats should be working together to solve our nation's problems. Blacks, whites, and all other races should be working together to remove the last traces of bias that exist in our society. We would like to see those who have separated from the church return to their worship and to God. Instead, we are seeing growing separations everywhere. These separations start out small, but then they grow wider, rather like a plot of two exponentially diverging curves. Today, separation is winning, and we can see it everywhere. Since the last couple of episodes have been rather serious, I thought today would be a good day to introduce a lighter subject. This whole podcast is about the interface of science and religion. Some people believe that interface is very small. Often we consider religion, scripture reading, and spiritual meditation to be in their own little box because they rarely interact with our normal life. In this episode, I would like to point out that our religious beliefs actually affect a very large part of your life, larger than you might think. For example, how do you see the universe outside of planet Earth? It is a big universe out there. If you never look up outside of your little corner of the world, you miss a lot. When you look up into a starry sky at night, something I hope you do, by the way, do you think about the possibility that some of those stars, or suns, have planets orbiting around them? Do you ever wonder if some of those planets are inhabited? I have, though that is probably because I have always loved science fiction. I have read the books of great science fiction writers like Isaac Asimov, Robert Heinlein, Arthur C. Clarke, and many others which take you to new galaxies and civilizations. This love for science fiction almost assuredly prompted me to become a scientist. What could be better than trying to solve the mysteries of the universe? Strangely enough, there are numerous overlaps between my science fiction books, my textbook science books, and my scriptures. I know, who would have expected that? After all, a science fiction book is fiction, and the gospel is nonfiction. so where do we find overlap? As a religion from our scriptures, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints believes that God has created and populated more than just our planet Earth. In Moses chapter 1, we read, But only an account of this earth, and the inhabitants thereof, give I unto you. For behold, there are many worlds that have passed away by the word of my power, and there are many that now stand, and innumerable are they unto man. But all things are numbered unto me, for they are mine, and I know them. So this verse would indicate that many alien civilizations have existed, and many others now exist today. But there's more. According to Genesis, we know that man was made in the image of God, a pattern we would expect him to follow on other planets. Accepting that fact, we should fully expect aliens to look exactly like us. As most of you know, I am a theist, and I believe that God used evolution to form mankind. I have no doubt he could copy that procedure and pattern on other planets as well. In the church, we generally believe that other planets created by God are populated by human beings who, like ourselves, are trying to work out their salvation. I fully expect that the same rules set in the pre-existence were also established for those other planets of God's creation. So yes, I do believe in aliens. I believe Earth is only one of many planets created by God. Even our God's creations are innumerable, 
Add in the planets have been created by other eternal beings outside of our own sphere of existence, and I imagine the total number of planets that were created and people are innumerable indeed. Interestingly, the Lord states in the above quote that there are many worlds that have passed away by the word of my power. Apparently, planets were created, populated, and for some reason not explained, then passed away. These planets were obviously ahead of us on their planetary timeline. We are one of the many worlds that now stand. It might also be expected that some of those planetary civilizations are behind us on their planetary timeline. For example, many civilizations might presently be living in the days and times of our Old Testament. Is it not also possible that of the worlds that now stand, some are more advanced than we are? Could they be ahead of us in the ability to travel through space? Could astronauts from those more advanced planets possibly visit Earth? Could science fiction stories of visiting aliens ever really occur? Alien visits are not precluded by most religious beliefs. There appears no evidence in world history that God prevented more advanced civilizations from visiting less advanced ones. Columbus was the first European to visit Hispaniola and the New World. Cortes conquered the Aztecs, Pizarro defeated the Incas, and James Cook met the Hawaiians. Having said that, I don't believe in the stories of alien visits. I don't believe in those stories for a very practical, science-based reason. You see, God has separated us from other planets and extraterrestrial civilizations by vast distances. We are talking really vast distances. The nearest sun to our solar system is Alpha Centauri. It appears to have an inhabitable planet, at least it is the right distance from their sun. We don't know if other factors would allow it to be habitable. But Alpha Centauri is 4.37 light years away from us. So if a spaceship could travel at the speed of light, which Einstein tells us it can't, it would take over four years to get there. How long would it probably take to get to Alpha Centauri? Our fastest manned spacecraft ever traveled at almost 25,000 miles per hour. You see, the human body can handle only so much acceleration. More importantly, a spacecraft can only carry so much fuel. These two factors set the maximum speed through space that we could hope to attain. So let's do a little math. The speed of light is over 670 million miles per hour. So at our fastest, we can hit only 0.000037 of the speed of light. Assuming Alpha Centaurians would have the same speed limitations as we do, it would take them about 115,000 years to arrive, if they left today. Thus, unless someone can find a way to get around Einstein's limitation on how fast we can travel in a spaceship, I won't be expecting any alien visits anytime soon. On a side note, these distances are so vast that one must ask, did God purposefully separate inhabited worlds by light years? Actually, I believe he did. Having planets so close that they are able to interact with one another would probably disrupt the gospel plan. I think that a given planet of mankind is supposed to develop its technology, philosophy, and social maturity together. As individuals, we mature. Rarely do we consider that as a whole people, a whole world, we also mature. Visits by an advanced race would almost certainly disrupt the gospel plan, especially for the lesser developed world. I think that situation will continue for a very long time. Yes, you may argue, what if we were able to learn how to bend space and time so that we can travel above the speed of light? That technology is extremely difficult, and despite what the science fiction movies tell us, there are very few people researching the matter. Personally, I think the second coming will occur before we can get even close to such technology. The universe is fascinating. 
Incredibly enough, our religious beliefs can greatly influence our beliefs concerning that fascinating universe. One of these nights, go outside and look up. The view is amazing, and it can be a religious experience. Since I mentioned the topic of science fiction, let me talk about it now. As we all know, science fiction is a great format for action books and adventure films. In many cases, the plot of science fiction storylines includes threats to the very existence of all mankind. In most movies and books, aliens arrive on our planet with plans of conquest and occupation. Could there be any greater drama than defending our entire planet from an outside threat and saving all of mankind from extinction? In addition, since aliens are not human, they make great villains, and we have no problems with shooting them down. Generally, the more violent the science fiction movie, the uglier the aliens. Think how conflicted you might feel if aliens looked like puppies or Steven Spielberg's E.T., But science fiction is a unique genre because it also allows the author to put us into an environment where we are forced to look at our philosophies and beliefs in a completely different light. Once we have accepted the story background that another world and advanced civilization could exist, we can then examine our own basic human beliefs and assumptions in a whole new light. We can expand our perceptions of life and the universe. One of the first science fiction films to attain true celebrity status was 2001 A Space Odyssey, written by Arthur C. Clarke and Stanley Kubrick in 1968. The director, Stanley Kubrick, wanted to create a new movie experience and avoid extensive narration. He used dialogue sparingly, and there are long sequences in the movie that are accompanied only by music. In the end, our hero, David Bowman, enters a region of space where he evolves into a new being, a fledgling god with immense powers to transport himself across space and, in the end, save the earth from self-destruction. Considering our own religious beliefs about eternal progress and the potential of developing new powers of the priesthood, this concept sounds somewhat familiar. To have a science fiction story ask the question of what is next for mankind can open our mind to the wonder of eternal progress. The television series Star Trek was an immensely popular show in its time. Again, there was plenty of adventure, new alien species, and cool technology, such as lasers and antimatter propulsion. But behind the action, many episodes addressed issues of the time and philosophical questions which have been asked for centuries. In one episode, James Kirk, the captain of the starship Enterprise, played by William Shatner, is involved in a transporter malfunction and is split into two beings of himself, one of which, who only had his good traits, and the other, only had his evil traits. The evil Captain Kirk was self-indulgent, cruel, and made a lousy person. But the good Captain Kirk was too kind and gentle and could not make difficult, potentially life-threatening decisions. He made a lousy starship captain. The question of the episode was, can we live our lives being too kind and merciful, ignoring the need for justice and punishment? In case you've heard the concept, these shows liked to investigate our yin and yang, the opposing forces inside of you that work together to make you the person you are. Trying to define good and evil, compassion and justice, is an admirable goal for a television show. In case you were worried, by using the same transporter, the Enterprise crew was able to merge the two Captain Kirks back into one again. In another episode, the crew of the Enterprise came upon a world where a group of religious believers who worship the sun, spelled S-U-N, are being oppressed by the state government. Their civilization was similar to ours today. They had developed guns on this planet, 
and these weapons were used to oppress and kill the members of this fledgling church. The Enterprise crew helps the group as much as they can, but it is not until they get back to their ship that Captain Kirk realizes that this religion was not worshipping its son, or S-U-N, it was worshipping the Son of God. The episode proposed what would happen on a planet where the Savior made his appearance in the year 2000 A.D. instead of the year 1 A.D. How would things have been different? Can you see how science fiction can propose new perspectives not possible in any other genre? Star Trek aired from 1966 to 1969. It is believed its popularity was partially due to its action-adventure, but also because it portrayed a future that Americans wanted for themselves and their descendants. We want to develop new technology that would lift us up to the stars and be a force for good among alien civilizations. About 13 movies and 10 television series were spun off from the original Star Trek. Apparently, we still want such a future for ourselves. The next science fiction mega movie to discuss would be Star Wars. This movie was extremely impressive in its special effects and action scenes, but it was extremely disappointing in regards to examining philosophy and religion. In the first Star Wars movie, the hero Luke Skywalker was told by his tutor, Obi-Wan Kenobi, to use the Force in successfully fighting off the evil empire. In the original movie, the Force was, and I quote, an energy field created by all living things. It surrounds us and penetrates us. It binds the galaxy together. Wow, I thought. Was Star Wars likening the Force to the Holy Ghost? No, no such luck. It turns out the Force was caused by midi-chlorians, which are apparently microscopic life forms found within living cells that communicated the will of the Force. No one defined what the Force was, but apparently the more midichlorians you had in your blood, the more powerful you were. How disappointing. I have always felt that the Star Wars franchise fumbled an opportunity to make a statement. If you want to be a Jedi warrior, you must seek the inspiration of God. My favorite science fiction author of all time is Isaac Asimov. The man was brilliant and wrote on a number of subjects, including his own commentary on the Bible. He also wrote the book I, Robot, which was made into a movie starring Will Smith. The story from which the movie was taken was published in 1950. He asked the philosophical question, can a robot or a computer attain consciousness? If it can, must we treat it kindly, or do we continue to treat it as a machine? If a robot is more intelligent than a person and develops consciousness, is it a higher species than human? In iRobot and subsequent books based on the storyline, robots actually acted more human than the humans. Asimov not only entertained his readers, but he made them think about what it meant to be human. Another science fiction movie of merit was Avatar, the movie directed by James Cameron with the blue-skinned people who lived on a planet being mined by humans. The blue-skinned people followed religion that had a deep respect for nature and environment. Of course, these beliefs brought them into conflict with the human miners. The action and special effects were impressive, but the movie asked good questions. Shouldn't all religions teach their followers to respect nature and their world? Have we lost something in our pursuit of large homes and fancy automobiles? The blue-skinned people always tried to be connected with their spiritual center. Shouldn't we? Anyway, Avatar is a great movie, and I recommend it you watch it with those questions in mind. Another book series that would not be possible without science fiction is Ten Issues Among the Nephites by Chris Heimerdinger. This entire series is excellent. A group of young Latter-day Saints 
Enter an underground cave that is either near a time nexus or contains magic. We're never sure. In any case, the group is sent back in time and space to the days of the Book of Mormon. This group of youth gets to meet the prophets and other characters they have read about in the Book of Mormon. Through their eyes, we get to see the Nephite and Lamanite peoples, their concerns, living conditions, and teachings. Later, the book series takes us to see Jerusalem during the Roman siege. Science fiction and Mr. Heimerdinger's imagination allow us to read descriptions in a story form that add excitement and a more complete perception of ancient days and ancient scriptures. In a reality, once a deed is done, it is done. Only in science fiction can you travel in time, a concept which will open up a whole new perception of the world. A series of comedy movies called Back to the Future, starring Michael J. Fox, was a good example. Our hero travels back in time, in a DeLorean car, no less, to change one event that had established his father's future. If you could change one event in your life, say one time when you were embarrassingly insensitive, what would it be? Would you change an interaction with your spouse or a child? This question may give you a better appreciation for the whole principle of repentance. We can't ever go back in time to fix a mistake we made, but we can fully repent of our mistake and strive to make sure it doesn't happen again. Science fiction allows you to break away from the possibilities of Earth and lets you consider the possibilities of a new world. Studying the gospel allows you to do that too, because our next life will not be like Earth life either. But either way, it's a good thing. We need to break away from our normal humdrum life once in a while and let our minds soar, imagining what is ahead of us. It can be inspiring as we return to that normal humdrum life. Our religious beliefs are important, and not just within that religious part of our lives. They can affect our very perceptions of the universe. They also affect seemingly unimportant things, such as how much meaning you can find in a science fiction movie. My religious beliefs are deeply incorporated into my understanding of the universe and the reasons for earth life. In conclusion, religion does not belong in a separate box that doesn't interact with the rest of your life. Your religious beliefs make up a large part of how you see the universe, and thus they help establish who you are. So that's all I have for you today. Thanks for listening. I hope this podcast was entertaining and caused you to consider reading or listening to a science fiction book. If you can think of someone who might enjoy this discussion, please share the episode with them. This is Scott Fraser from the podcast Science and Scriptures. Have a great week and take care.